0: Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater.
1: Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We got a great episode for you guys today, the Week 16 preview, Saturday, and the early Sunday games with, of course, a mailbag segment at the end, and... We are at the home studios, which means we are live on Sportscaster as we speak. And remember, if you're watching on Sportscaster.com now, you can go on the chat and leave a fantasy football question and we will answer it as part of the mailbag segment at the end of the show. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. It's championship week. It's what we've all been waiting for. It is the time to win the trophy, to win the cash prize, to lord over your friends the fact that you won the championship. The fact that you are the winner. The fact that you are the best for at least an entire year. And this year's a little bit more special because depending on what happens in the NFL, it it could wind up being longer in a year in case the strike actually does wind up happening. Hopefully not, but just to give this an all-in-more-important value on this week, on winning this week, that's what it's all about. And we're here to help you do it. And we'll be back again tomorrow, of course, to to review or preview the rest of the games for the late Sunday afternoon games and the Monday games But let's go ahead and dive into this. we got a lot to talk about today. And of course, as you can see behind me, if you're watching on Sportscaster right now, you can see that I have the website up, www.mdffshow.com. You can go on there to get the updated rankings for Week 16 and what our expectations are for these players going into these matchups. And we're going to go through and talk about some guys, where I have them ranked as we go through each matchup. Now, we're not going to talk about every single player because, frankly, you're in the championship weeks. There's only certain players that are on championship teams. So we're going to stick to that, stick to the basics, stick to what we know. We're also going to throw in some DFS tips for you guys in there as well, some guys we might like for tournament plays this week that might give you an opportunity to win some money if you are out of the playoffs. If you aren't playing for the championship game and you're still an MD Nation, we still want you to win money. There's still a chance you can do that if you are playing DFS, and we'll give you some tidbits on that as well. So let's dive in to our first game of the week. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. The Saturday game, the Houston Texans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game could have been a shootout. And I say could have been because here's the issue we run into. How well do we really expect the Tampa Bay offense to be, right? With no Chris Godwin, no Mike Evans, James Winston banged up, Yes, Brashad Perryman had a great week last week, and he's a must add. We had him on the waiver wire report. And on Tuesday's episode, when we had the recap and the waiver wire report in that one, we told you guys go ahead pick up Brashad Perryman. Him and Mike Boone should have been the top two pickups of the week. And yes, you got to go ahead and play him. It's a plus matchup. He's looking at a situation where he might not see fewer than six targets and could wind up seeing up to double digit targets depending on how that game goes. So he's a guy who has a hell of a floor, a chance to score, and he has a big play capability. So he's got everything you're looking for in a championship week right now. The upside and the floor to go along with it. So yes, Rashad Perryman's a must play in our book. But how high scoring is this game going to be? Because Perryman himself is not enough. How well will Perryman do as the number one wide receiver? These are all questions that need to be answered. This is... You know, it kind of hurts a little bit because you're looking at this game, if you have Deshaun Watson and you have DeAndre Hopkins and you have you know, Will Fuller, you want this to be a shootout game. You want them to have to attack down the ball all the time. Now, Houston will still go vertical because that's part of their game plan. And while Tampa Bay, yes, has played better defense as of late, they haven't played against an offense that has this much firepower on the perimeter, especially now that Will Fuller is back healthy. So I'm not going to be too overly concerned about what they're going to be able to produce, or Tampa Bay defense once again showing up unexpectedly. I'm not going to be worried about that. Obviously, you know, you're firing up Watson, you're firing up Hopkins. I would play Will Fuller here. I would, absolutely. And as we go through, and you can see on the back here, on the back screen, go through sportscaster.com, we can see here that. <clears throat> You can get all the rankings that you want and everything like that. We have the standard rankings. We have, you know, the half point. We have the full point standard rankings. So we have everything you need to be able to get the information that you want, along with all the audio and episodes and everything like that. So I'm just kind of going through that as we pull up the rankings here. But yes, Carlos Hyde is really a question mark for Houston, right? What do you do? It's a tough matchup, but he's been seeing 20 carries, Duke Johnson, unless they get down in this game, and I expect Houston to win this game. Unless they get down in this game, I don't expect Duke Johnson to be that involved. That has been the kryptonite of him all season long. They have to be down by at least two, three scores for them to finally start dumping down the ball to Duke Johnson. It's nothing to be uh, confident about. You can't play him. And even Carlos Hyde, there's not a lot of firepower there. This is not an easy matchup for him. Could he fall into the end zone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Could he get 20 carries? Absolutely. And he might, because I do think I do think Houston's going to be up by a couple of scores by the end of this game. So I think there's a chance there he does get into the end zone. I think there's a chance he does get 20 carries. But he doesn't have a lot of upside. We're not looking at a guy who can be expected to get 100 yards this week. We're not looking at a guy who can definitely be guaranteed a touchdown or you feel really confident about it. It's a possibility, but nothing I would feel confident about. Nothing I would play uh in my championship weeks so I would move on there and like I said on the of side of the ball Rashad Perryman I think you still have to play James Winston I do look the volume's going to be there he might not have all the weapons in the world but you still got Cameron Brate you still got OJ Howard you still got Perryman who can make plays and you got the fact that he's going to probably have to throw the ball 40 times in this game plain and simple and as long as that's the case, will he probably throw a couple of interceptions? Yes. Will he also probably throw a couple of touchdowns and 300 yards? Yes. Even without Godwin and Mike Evans in this matchup, I believe he does have that capability. So that's why Jameis Winston is still somebody that you can play. Obviously, he's on the lower end of QB ones for us this week. Obviously, and as you can see here, we have Will Fuller, number 16 receiver on the week. I was just trying to pull that up for you guys earlier. Uh, the question here is OJ Howard, right? Will OJ Howard be a streaming option? Will he be able to give you the production that you're looking for? The, question that, to that, the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. OJ Howard is somebody who's sitting in a situation now where he's going to have to be targeted. He's one of the better red zone threats to start off with things. He is one of the guys who has been trending in the upward direction as of now. So that that's what we can that's what we can take out of that matchup right now. So we know that OJ Howard should be involved in this offense for this week in a plus match against Houston Texans, making him a streaming option in our eyes here at MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we actually have him as number 15 tight end. That makes him in the streaming available territory. He has a little bit more upside than where we have him ranked. He has more upside than some of these other guys. Just this particular week, just because of the matchup, just because of the nature of where the target share has to go. I know with the running back situation, everyone wants to say, well, what about Ronald Jones? Well, look, yes, there's no Chris Godwin this week. So Ronald Jones may be somebody who might actually get involved in the passing game to a degree that he was expected to a week ago. But I think last week showed you something, because it should have been last week too. Just just because Chris Godwin wasn't there, just because it was just Mike Evans missing, he should have been involved last week too, and yet he only saw three targets. So that becomes an issue. That becomes an issue of trust. And you're talking about championship week, you need trust. Even if you're going to have to take some chances in certain places, You are you're going to have to have the trust in order to play them, because it's all too important. The the worst thing you could do, someone's going to lose, someone's going to win. But the worst thing you could do in your championship week is bottom out. That's the worst thing you could do because you'll never forgive yourself. So we're here to make sure not only that you win, but you put yourself in the best position to be competitive all throughout. Okay, so now moving on here to our next game, we have the second Saturday game, the Patriots, the Rams... Or I'm sorry, this, no, I'm sorry, Patriots and the Bills, my apologies, the Rams and the 49ers play Saturday night. So we got the Patriots and the Bills up. <clears throat> as far as the injury report goes, Julian Edelman will not play, or I'm sorry, will play. He did practice yesterday. Julian Edelman was limited participant in practice. He should be okay and good to go. Uh, as far as him playing and being available, yes, the reports about him having a knee tendon and playing through that, They do seem to be true. He definitely seemed to be hindered last week. But this is a guy who has been a consistent wide receiver, too, for you. This is a guy who has come in week in and week out and pretty much produced for you because of the high volume. Against the Buffalo Bills, the key for the Patriots is going to be to get the quick passing game going. So I expect a big game out of James White. Especially when we are talking about half-point and full-point PPR leagues. I'm talking about a a big game out of James White. I'm looking for a big game out of Julian Edelman. Right now, there's not another receiver on the Patriots that can even be trusted for Tom Brady at the moment. So as long as that continues to be the case, then you have to figure Julian Edelman's going to be more involved than he was a week ago. Remember, it was against Cincinnati. They kind of dominated that second half. He didn't have to do as much. They're going to have to do a lot more to win this game against Buffalo. They still need to win this game in order to maintain their possibility of getting home field throughout the playoffs, which we know for the way they've been playing on offense, is a is a must-needed thing for them. A must-needed thing for them. So I do expect Julian Edmund to be much more involved. And being that he's practicing on a Wednesday, I take that as a very good sign that he at least will be okay and closer to 100% than maybe he was a week ago or that it's not something that we have to be too concerned over. As far as everybody else goes, like I said, I mentioned James White. I don't think there's another Patriot player you have to play here. In fact, since I have it in front of me, I'm going to pull it up. We have Tom Brady ranked as the number 24 quarterback on the week. Right there. We have him ranked as a number 24 quarterback on the week. That's really low. We don't expect much out of this offense. We don't expect anything out of Sony Michelle. I know the Buffalo Bills are a defense that have been possibly been able to be run on. And that's been one of their kind of weaknesses, but we've seen it time and time again. The Patriots have had some matchups, especially over the last six weeks, where they should have been able to run the football. And while Michelle may have gotten 19 carries here and there throughout, he is, he's he's not trustworthy. He's not falling into the end zone. He hasn't fallen in the end zone in almost two months now at this point. And he's not breaking off big runs. The, the biggest chunk of runs he can possibly break off right now is 10 to 12 yards. That's it. We haven't seen him break off 20 yard runs whether he's been hindered, whether the offensive line's been terrible, the fact of the matter is the explosiveness is not there. So you're set yourself in a situation where you can't trust him. Now, as far as the Bills side of the ball goes, obviously the Patriots defense is not a defense you want to trifle with, but I do believe that you can play Devin Singletary. I do. He's been Thoroughly involved over the past few weeks, Frank Gore has been involved less and less and less. Devin Singletary has been taking over more and more and more in that time period. The one thing you can seem to do with a, on a consistent basis against the Patriots is be able to run the football at them. Now, I don't have him with a particularly high ceiling. He would have to score a touchdown, I believe, to become an RB two. And I'm having a little trouble finding him now. I know he's not this low, but <laughs> he I, I, he has to score a touchdown to be a high end RB two. But he should be a low in RB two just based on volume in the past game in the rushing game and the fact that that's the one area that you can attack the New England Patriots so we do expect him to be okay outside of that I don't know who you play Josh Allen has shown that in tougher matchups unless he runs rushes a touchdown in for you he has a very low floor and I expect them to have a low floor again in this game John Brown I don't love the matchup with John Brown I don't love him against Stephon Gilmore Cole Beasley. I don't expect Cole Beasley to be a factor in this game. So you're looking at Devin Singletary. You're looking at nobody else in this game. There's really not going to be a lot of play of uh, fantasy implications in this matchup. Unfortunately, as this is this is how it's going to be. So moving on, we have the Rams. We have the 49ers in this game coming up. We have a lot of question marks as far as the 49ers side of the ball goes. You know what? Who's what the running back situation is? Who can we trust? Who can we not look? Raheem Moser is definitely a starter. That's number one. But the starting running back of the 49ers only sees between 13 and 15 carries in a given week anyway. Now, I know what everyone's saying. They're looking at last week. They're looking at the Cowboys, looking at the way Ezekiel Elliott and even Tony Pollard, who came in late in the game, was able to run. That's what everyone's looking at. And I totally understand that. And that's, that's totally right to do so. You can get excited by the fact that they look like a, te- a defense that had no interest in tackling anymore. This is true. But the 49ers are also a team that for being as good of a rushing team as they you know, are looked at to being where in the beginning of the, of the season, they haven't been quite as effective. It's actually been a little while since they've had a 100-yard rusher. It's been a few weeks. That was where he against the Green Bay Packers. And even then, he was, he was filling in more as a backup capacity because he broke off a couple of big runs. That was why he wound up with 100 yards. So I think... What you're doing here is you, you do have to play Raheem Mostert. I'm not I'm not saying that you yet you, you, you don't play him. That, that's that's not what I'm trying to get at here. But what I and I have him at number 19 in half point PPR leagues. We have him as an RB too. <clears throat> who else can you trust outside of that? Matt Burrito wasn't involved that much last week, although he seemed like he was a little bit banged up coming off of his injury. Tevin Coleman, obviously, you can't trust. So I think you play Raheem Moster. I think you stay away from the other two. I don't think you can trust it right now. He's the only one who I know is going to get double digit, you know, touches. So, I think that's what you go off of and you kind of stay away from the rest because this is not a, a rushing offense that's actually been able to give two fantasy running backs value over the past month. That hasn't actually been the case. So, you play Raheem Mostert, you play nobody else. You have to play Emmanuel Sanders. I know. I know he's been disappointing. I get it. I understand. But Emmanuel Sanders is too involved in an offense that has a decent opportunity here to and has to win this game, by the way, because they're you know they're in a situation right now where they're in a dead heat with Seattle. The winner of this division is going to most likely also be the home field advantage throughout the playoffs team. So they have a lot on the line in this game. Will Emmanuel Sanders be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey? maybe to some extent. The the thing is is that Kyle Shanahan has been doing a good enough job of moving Emmanuel Sanders around that he has been lining up in the slot enough. Ramsey's not going to follow him to the slot. That's not going to be the case. So it's not going to be a 24-7 thing. And that's why we think Emmanuel Sanders still has a great floor. Now, does he have a high ceiling in this game? No, he doesn't have a high ceiling in this game. But I think he has a solid floor especially talking about half point full point PPR leagues I think he's somebody that you still have to continue to play he's somebody who did help you get to this point with some of the especially with the performers that he had last week uh so you have to play him George Kittle's I mean that's you know that's neither here nor there that's a must play Jimmy Garoppolo's not Jimmy Garoppolo is not a must-play for us this week. I know he's been one of the more popular streamers as of late. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that they've had plus matchups. And we do have him as the number 10 quarterback on the week. So, we, he's definitely a playable option. I wasn't, you know, I'm not saying that. But he's he's not somebody you have to play this week. There's some interesting streaming options like Phillip Rivers. We like Phillip Rivers a lot. We're going to get to that game. Don't worry. But just kind of give you an idea, though. There's some other outside-the-box streamer options that are available that I think I would like their ceiling more so than Jimmy Garoppolo this particular week, but Garoppolo should have a decent floor against the Rams. Look, this is a defense that looked like they, they quit last week. Now, I don't expect that to be the case. It's a divisional matchup. They're still technically in the playoff race, so I do expect them to see them play a lot better than they did a week ago, but... I do think Garoppolo is in a situation here, especially since George Kittle is going to be such a miss, a mismatch for the Rams defense that he should be able to get the weapons, the ball enough that he should have a decent floor in this game. I just don't think he's in a position where we've seen as of late, like those Garoppolo games where he had, you know, 300 yards and three touchdowns or he's not in a position to do that this week, but 225 to 250 yards, a touchdown or two. Yeah, I think that's something he could do this week, which is why he has a decent floor to go with him. On the Ram side of the ball, first off, the injury news. Gerald Everett, he did practice in full yesterday, so he may be back. So keep that in mind for Tyler Higby. Not only playing against the San Francisco defense, which may actually be a little bit healthier this week. It sounds like Richard Sherman might come back and a couple other guys might come back this week, maybe sooner than expected after losing last week. I think that was a big reason why. Um... You're in a situation where it's not a great matchup to begin with. But if Gerald Everett comes back, there's no telling which direction they will go. Tyler Higbee's been great. And Tyler Higbee is a more all round tight end than Gerald Everett is. For for sure. He is a more all around tight end. Um because you have a you have a situation where you have a guy who can actually block. So he's been helping out a little bit with the running game with that offensive line, struggling the way that it has. And while Gurley didn't Rush for a lot of production last week. Still been able to find the end zone. Still has been better as of late since they've been using Higby. And Everett has been out, so he is somebody who's a better all-around tight end. But they really like Joe Everett. They really liked his athleticism. They liked there was a reason why he was the starting tight end for most of the season until he was injured. So there becomes a huge question mark. Not only is it a bad matchup, but now we don't even know exactly what the rotation is going to be, and it really it really hinders you, right? Because Tyler Higby's on a lot of championship teams. And maybe I would venture to say to Joe Everett is as well. If you if you kept Joe Everett on your bench and picked up Tyler Higby and just streamed the tight Rams tight end, the Rams tight end has been a very valuable fantasy asset all throughout the season. And now you're found yourself in the most important game of the year. And there's really no telling which one is more worth the play. Unfortunately, it's the bad timing, but that's the situation that is. We would suggest playing neither one of them because there's between the matchup and the volume, there's no way to know. There's no way to know. There's actually a lot of guys on the Rams that we wouldn't suggest playing. We wouldn't suggest playing Jarek Goff on the road against an above-average defense. I think that goes without saying at this point, especially after watching what happened to him against Dallas. Right, That was going to be the big indication. Did you turn the corner? The offense looked like it was back to being more of a normal Sean McVay, Ram-type offense that we've seen over the past couple of years. They had a couple of good matchups. They took advantage. They took good care of Seattle, who was a good divisional opponent. And then they went on the road. And they went on the road to Dallas, who hadn't really been playing good defense as of late, but talent wise was an above average defense and just totally laid an egg. Totally laid an egg. And I think that showed you all you needed to know. You can't trust them on the road against an above average defense, no matter what the trending situation is, especially against San Francisco 49ers, who are a top three defense. So, yeah, you can't play Jared Goff. And being that I don't trust Jared Goff, it makes it really hard to trust anybody else. It does. Robert Woods, we saw him last week. He he has been the lead target guy, not just by a little bit, but by a ton over the past month. He has had all the volume. And he has performed well in games where Jared Goff has not. But against the San Francisco 49ers, if Richard Sherman is back, I don't know how you could play Robert Woods with any kind of confidence. Now, I believe we do have him ranked in the wide receiver three territory. We do. We have him right there at number 31 uh, in half point PPR leagues for the week. So he is in the wide receiver three territory. That's because. Of the volume that he's been seeing, right? That's because the Rams offense has to do something you would think. But we don't feel I don't feel good about it. He has a low floor, for sure. And it him and Cooper Cup are in the same light. And As you can see there on the screen, if you're watching, Cooper Cup is number 34 in the week. They're in that same similar situation because you have yourself where if Jared Goff can't play, well, what can you really expect them to do? Obviously, they're ceiling goes away like that they have no ceiling if jared goff is going to go put up 200 yards and maybe a touchdown with a couple interceptions and that's a very likely stat line against san francisco 49ers for jared goff this week so all of a sudden their, their ceiling's gone it becomes a matter of floor and it becomes a matter of which one of them is going to get that touchdown right now the money would have to be on cooper cup lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
0: lucky in line at the deli i guess ha! in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I
1: never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents Cool Sheets from Aha to... Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha uh-huh to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com free22. shopify.com free22.
1: So while we have Robert Woods ranked a little bit ahead because of the trend as of late, that's why we we did that. The target share has been more in his favor. We do believe that Cooper Cup has a more likely chance of scoring a touchdown. But all in all, I wouldn't be mad at you if you didn't play a Rams wide receiver. If you didn't play Robert Woods, if you didn't play Cooper Cup, especially if you're able to pick up a guy like Brashad Perryman, I'd play Perryman over them. I would. I would, I, I would take my chances on the matchup on that. I have Perryman right there in the mixture. We're probably going to have to change that as we move into Friday. We get more injury reports. We update these rankings, you know, all throughout the week as we go here. As we get more information as far as the practice reports go, so we'll probably update that. Perryman will be up higher on our list because we. I think. I think if I'm not mistaken, we still have Chris Godwin ranked in here for some reason. But, yeah, I would play Perryman over them. I would play guys with a lot of upside over them. I would take the chance on a guy like Will Fuller over them this week. I would play a guy like DJ Chark over them this week. Um, you know, I would even play Marquise Brown over them this week. There's a lot of other options that I would just be, feel more comfortable taking a chance on. A lot of guys who are boomer bust options, normally speaking, who I would take the chance on rather than playing a Rams wide receiver because the floor is so low in this type of situation with the way they've played this season. Okay, now for our next game, for our first game for our Sunday matchups, because we have the three Saturday matchups. Saturday's going to be a lot of fun watching football, guys. We got the first Sunday matchup is Detroit versus Denver. And with these guys... We have some interesting developments going on. Now, make sure when you're looking for these practice reports, when you're looking for these updated player announcements, you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFShow for all those player news update notifications. We make sure that we get you updated as we go here, making sure you guys have all the information that you possibly need to make the best decisions that you need before your opponents get the opportunity to do so. And of course, it's free because if you go to Twitter and you put on the notifications alert, then you just, you get the information. So make sure you're doing that. And this is one of the things we're going to be tracking. Carry on Johnson. Coming off the IR, they've had they've pretty much been talking about this for a few weeks now of opening up the door for him to return this week. Matt Patricia came out on Tuesday, I believe it was, and said, We're going to see how he does this week of practice. And if he does well, we'll play him. And I said to you guys last week, if they play on Johnson, if they activate him and actually have him in the starting lineup. I am not going to be worried about him being limited on a limited snap count. I'm not going to be worried about that. Normally, I would be with a guy coming back off of IR for his first game. But to me, in this situation, if you're going to activate Kerryon Johnson, and with the woes that they've had fi- being able to find a running back that they can actually hand the ball 20 times off to, which is what they're looking for right now. That That's that's obvious. a Bo being banged up at the moment. They're going to play on Johnson. I have to believe he's going to get... 16 to 20 carries you don't bring this guy back in a season in which you are out of the playoffs a guy who's supposed to be your future at the position for two weeks of the regular season to then play him on limited snap count I mean look I I don't have a lot of respect for Matt Patricia I don't think he's one of the smarter head coaches in the NFL I'm really kind of fiber that they actually brought him back for another season but even considering all that you can't be so so dumb that you would bring Carry Johnson back to play him on limited snaps when you have only two weeks left of the regular season and you're out of the playoffs. I have to believe they bring him back. He's going to play 16 to 20. He's going to get 16 to 20 carries. So if that's going to be the case, Carry on Johnson becomes somebody who's a flex option for you. And that's kind of what we have him ranked at. He might have the potential to be an RB2, but this is still the Denver defense we're talking about here. They have been playing much better against the run over the past month or so, as as we've talked about them. And I have on Johnson ranked as the number 33 running back on the week. So we have him as a flex option. We have him as an RB3 option. That's just because of the volume that we expect him to have. And... The most effective way Detroit's going to have to move the ball against Denver is going to be the rushing game. David Blau has played worse and worse as the season has progressed, the more starts that he has made. As a result, Kenny Galladay's value has gone down and down, and Kenny Galladay is somebody who we no longer have as a must-start either this week. We have him kind of in the wide receiver three territory just because... Oh, I'm sorry. We have him 20th. In half point PBR leagues. we have him at 20th. We saw him in the wide receiver two territory. That's just because of his ability to score touchdowns and being able to produce on very few targets. But he has a low floor. He has a low floor. we we'll worry about making him a guy who's not a must play for us. Now, we... I, I still have him in the playing territory. He's a big reason why you're in the position that you are if you have him in your championship weeks. But if you're a DFS, I don't love the matchup here. Chris Harris is going to shadow him. And I don't love the fact that last week against Tampa Bay, which should have been a good matchup for him, instead of giving him the most targets, instead of getting him the ball with no Marvin Jones, it was Danny Amendola. It was the easy check down. It was the simple read. Kenny Galladay still only had four or five targets last week which is pretty much what he's had with David Blau every week since he started. It's just been a matter of what is he going to be able to produce on those targets. Is he going to be able to score? Is he going to be able to get a big play? And against Chris Harris, that's not as likely. So because he's been such a good wide receiver, we have him still number 20th on the week for half-point PPR purposes, but he's not a must-play. Not a must-play at all. As far as everybody else goes, look, on Denver side of the ball, no fan. somebody we do have in the streaming tight end territory. I believe we have him number 13th on the week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, we do. We have him number 13 on the week. He's still somebody in the streaming territory. He's been the second best patch catcher from a target standpoint. So he is somebody that we believe will at least be involved enough that you can go ahead and play him. We don't like the fact that he's been banged up the last two weeks in games and had to come out for periods of time, and two weeks ago had to come out of the game entirely. That's a little bit worrisome, especially when you're talking about the streaming option tight ends, cause that's the territory in which you're talking about him. But very few have his big play capabilities. And against the Detroit Lions, it's a great matchup for him. It's a defense that I believe looked like it quit last week. Doesn't look like it's really interested in playing these last two weeks. And a defense you can take advantage of. I, I do think that is the situation where you can take the shot here on a Noah fan. Obviously having him 13th, making him a high end tight end too. So. There is some risk there, especially from a health standpoint, but with the targets that he's been seeing at the matchup that he has, if you've been streaming a tight end position, he is somebody that you could take a home run chance on if that's what you're looking for at the tight end spot. As far as anybody else, Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton's a play. You have to play Cortland Sutton. Yes, Darius Slay might see him. I don't think that should matter. They got back to getting Cortland Sutton the ball last week. Now, yes, it was just four catches for 79 yards, but he is the number one wide receiver. Drew Locke kind of got sent back down the earth. So I, I look, I'm going to look for him to focus in on Cortland Sutton this week. He's somebody who has a high floor for me. And Darius Slay over the past few weeks, kind of along with the rest of Detroit Lions defense, hasn't been somebody who you need to fear the same way you feared him earlier on in the season. So I do believe that Cortland Sutton is somebody that you can go ahead and play as a wide receiver to this particular week. And I'm trying to pull it up now to see where we have him. We actually have him inside the top ten. We actually have him as a wide receiver one for the week. who four will be a wide receiver two He has wide receiver one potential, but we do like Cortland Sutton quite a bit against the Detroit Lions this particular week. All right, next matchup that we have to talk about. We got a lot of games we gotta get through this so week probably <laughs> we probably have to pick up the pace a little bit. But we got the Oakland Raiders we got the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a big game that we need to talk about here, right? Josh Jacobs is shut down this week. He will not play, meaning DeAndre Washington, if he hasn't been picked up already in your leagues, go run, pick him up right now. He is somebody who is going to be an RB2 for you this week. The Chargers are a good matchup for running backs. Now, they're not a great matchup for wide receivers. They're not a great matchup for the passing game, but they are great matchups for running backs. DeAndre Washington will be expected to get the type of workload that Josh Jacobs was. Now, will Jalen Rashard be a little bit more involved in the passing game than normally is? Yeah, probably. Will he get a few more touches? Yeah, probably. But DeAndre Washington, between the fact that he is involved in the passing game and his carries, he's somebody who's looking at 16 to 20 carries. He's looking at someone to get in that range. And in this matchup, I like him a lot as an RB2 with that kind of volume. As far as Hunter Renfro goes, he practiced in limited capacity. He is expected to be back this week. Now, why is that important? Not because you're playing Hunter Renfro. is it important. Again, I will keep saying this every single week for Darren Waller. Now, with Darren Waller, you're in your championship week. A big reason to that is because you've had Darren Waller, who's been a tight end one for you all throughout the season and has given you uh, some value in a position that's been hard to get consistent value out of. So you're probably finding yourself in a situation where you're not going to be able to play Darren Waller. And as a result of that, we still have him as a number six tight end. So he's still somebody that you're going to have to play. But here's what I just want you to keep in mind. When Hunter Renfro plays, his target share goes down a little bit and it may go down enough to where he might have a lower floor this week than he normally would. Now, I say that because, not because I'm trying to get you to steer away from playing him because you absolutely should still play him this week, but because maybe that puts you in a situation where, all right, I have a lower floor here. Maybe I have to take more of an upside chance here somewhere else in my lineup. It's all about the lineup building. It's all about making sure you have a nice balance, a nice flow to your team, especially this week. So that's why I mentioned it there. That's why I think it's important to talk about. But for Darren Waller himself, look, he still should see some targets. Tyro Williams hasn't been targeted nearly as much over the past few weeks, so maybe even with Hunter Renfro coming back, Waller won't see as much of a dip in his targets that he was early on when Tyra Williams was still as involved, but he's kind of gone down to being like a 3-4 to four target guy per week just because of the way this Raiders offense has been playing as of late, so maybe because of that and under those circumstances, we'll have anything to worry about. Still got to play Waller, but just keep in mind he might have a lower floor this week than he usually does. On the Chargers side of the ball, no injuries to talk about. That's the good news. We do have some other things to talk about, though. Philip Rivers, we have him as a number nine quarterback on the week. Oakland Raiders make QB1s out of everybody. Look, just look at last week. Gardner Minshew didn't have a huge week, but he did give you a decent floor. He, most scoring formats, he gave you 17, 18 points, and that was without DJ Chark. And it was obvious that that offense was hindered by not having their number one wide receiver in their lineup. It was obvious. It was obvious Gardner Minshew was hindered by not having his number one target. But the Oakland Raiders are so bad that even without all of that, even with a Jacksonville Jaguar offense that have been playing terrible, still came back in the second half and was able to put up points. And right now, Phillip Rivers still not playing well. But over the last two weeks, has thrown over 300 yards both weeks, had a great game against Jacksonville. Last week, he was just a turnover machine. That was the biggest thing that came as downfall. But you're going in against Oakland with Keenan Allen, with a healthy Mike Williams, with Melvin Gordon, with Austin Eckler. That's enough for me to be like, you know what? Hey, Philip Rivers, not only am I going to sit here and say I would play him if you've been streaming quarterbacks and redraft leagues in your championship week, but he's also somebody who I definitely want to play in DFS as well. I would want a part of in tournament leagues. The Oakland Raiders make QB ones out of everybody including Philip Rivers. And I know that's been somebody you haven't been able to trust. I know this might sound crazy to some people to go to in such an important week, but that's why I am, I am putting my foot down. I'm putting my cards on the table. This is a move that you can make because of the matchup, purely. Now, as far as everybody else goes, the question's about Melvin Gordon. What can we expect there? Because with Melvin Gordon, we have a situation on our hands where he fumbled twice last week, looked like he was put into the doghouse for some of that game, did wind up coming back in and getting a few carries at the end of the game when it was already well in hand. Here's what I said last week to you guys, or here's what I said on Tuesday to you guys in the recap show. Melvin Gordon is, is backed by Anthony Lynn. Plain and and simple, Andy Allen has hitched his wagon to Melvin Gordon. So while the fumbling issue has been a problem, we've seen Melvin Gordon. We saw him in the most important situation earlier in the season, fumble on the goal line and fumble twice in that game. Came back the following week with 20 carries. I expect to see that again this week. I expect to see 20 carries on Melvin Gordon. I'm not worried about it. He's going to be an RB2 with, frankly, RB1 upside because of the matchup, once again, against the Oakland Raiders. Austin Eckler is still going to be a guy that you have to play in the flex, especially in PPR leagues. He's still a guy who's going to be involved in the passing game. He's just been too easy of a target for Phillip Rivers out of the backfield. Mike Williams is somebody who we have, as I believe, as a high-end wide receiver three this week again. He is somebody who has scored now the last two weeks in a row. He is somebody who has been able to make the big plays. He is somebody who has a plus matchup. So, I haven't loved his target share on a consistent basis, making me a little more shaky about his floor, but in this match against the Oakland Raiders, with the way he has played as of late, and the fact that Phillip Rivers is just kind of, he's kind of doing the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing now, where he kind of knows this could be it for him, so he's just, this is YOLO, he's just laying it out there for everybody, it gives Mike Williams a chance. It gives him a chance to make a play. It gives him a chance to be fantasy relevant. We have him as a number 30 wide receiver on half-point PPR leagues. I think he's somebody that you can take a home run flyer on, play in your flex, play as your wide receiver three, and play him with confidence. We do like Mike Williams quite a bit this week. Keenan Allen's a no-brainer. And I'm sorry, I haven't mentioned Hunter Henry, but yes, you have to play Hunter Henry this week as well. Now, when you're talking about that many options against this defense, is somebody not going to take advantage of the plus matchup? Yeah, There's too many options for everybody to go off unless this winds up being a Jacksonville Jaguar game, but even then Hunter Henry was the guy who was left out of the mix. So somebody is, but if you have these guys against the Oakland Raiders on your championship week, when else would you ever play them? So you have to play everybody involved there and know that everyone has a a chance to have at least a good game to great game in that particular matchup. Alright, our next game up here that we got to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons. So Gardner Minshew once again is a streaming quarterback and we like his ceiling a lot more this week because DJ Chark is expected to be back. He came back and practiced earlier in the week and then yesterday they he continued to practice again. He's been cleared for contact. So we do expect DJ Chark to play this week, which means DJ Chark is a wide receiver too. You should play him as such, especially in a plus match against the Atlanta Falcons with no True Trufant. So we're not worried about that there. And Gardner Minshew is our number six quarterback on the week. So similar to Philip Rivers. Now, the difference with Minshew is that he's had more of a floor on a more consistent basis. So I think there's more people out there who have a little bit more confidence in playing him. And we do have him ranked ahead of Philip Rivers for the week as well. We think he's just as much of a ceiling, especially with DJ Chark back. Even if DJ Chark's limited, it still helps Gardner Minshew. Because it still just gives him that number one option. It still gives the pecking order of everything that can go. It's still a plus matchup against a bad defense in the Atlanta Falcons. It still gives him where he can go with the ball and open everything else up. We expect D.J. Chark to be okay. That's why we have him as a wide receiver, too, in this plus matchup. But Minshew has a high ceiling in this one. He has a possibility to go for 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, or 250 yards and three touchdowns. We have a Jacksonville defense that has quit. Flat out has quit the last month. The Atlanta Falcons do have a good offense who can put up points and just had a good game against San Francisco 49ers. So this is a game that actually has some sneaky shootout potential in it, and I want to own some parts of it. Now, as far as the secondary wide receiver, Chris Connelly, D.D. Westbrook, look... When DJ Chark plays, usually DD Westbrook was the guy who was getting most of the targets. Now last week was a little bit weird. Chris Conley wound up getting the two touchdowns and everything like that. Uh, if you're, we're talking redraft championship leagues for the most part in this episode. I'm not going to play DD. I'm not going to play Chris Conley because right now there's no. There's there's no security, there's no number, there's no there's no trend direction of having any confidence in being able to accurately predict the target share between Conley and D.D. Westbrook with DJ Chark back in the lineup right now. Usually it's been D.D. Westbrook in those situations, but even then He has been nothing more than a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four at best. Not somebody who would need to play in this week. Not somebody who maybe you want to take a chance on a Chris Conley in DFS tournaments as a contrarian play. That would be one thing, but uh, I'm not looking to do it in redraft leagues for my championship weeks. Obviously, you fire up, play Leonard Fournette. Hope that he scores, because if he scores, we will give you RB1 production because he's going to get all the touches. But it's going to take a touchdown. Regardless, he has that four for you. You're going to play Leonard Fournette. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball, I'm firing everybody up. Like I said, the Jaguars' defense doesn't look like a defense that really cares about playing right now. I'm going to play Devontae Freeman. I'm going to play uh, Matt Ryan. I'm going to play – obviously you're going to play Julio Jones. And then I'm going to play Austin Hooper. And then I'm going to call it a day. I'm playing all of those guys. They're not question marks to me. Uh, they had a great game last week. Yes, that could wind up being their Super Bowl, which means they don't have as much energy this week, but they're also a team that knows that they were out of the playoffs anyway. They're also a team that's coming in a situation that's trying to play for pride at this point, point. and the one thing that is kind of going for them in a weird way is that Dan Quinn knows he's probably out, at the end of this year, so he's doing everything he can to keep these players motivated, playing for him as competitively as they can to somehow salvage his job, and already the win against San Francisco has already got some people talking that maybe he will get one more week. We'll see, I'm sorry, one more year, we'll see, he shouldn't. But that could wind up being the case if he's able to be competitive in these last few games. So they do have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I expect them to play a little bit more motivated. And therefore, I think you can play all of your Falcon players that got you to this point in the first place. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Next game up that we want to talk about here is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. This isn't a game that we need to spend a particularly uh, long amount of time on because it's pretty simple. I'm not playing Cleveland Brown. Yes, that includes Nick Chubb. I expect the Ravens... Look, the Ravens are still playing all their starters this week. They, If they win this game, they might be able to rest guys next week. So... This is a big week for them to be able to do that. They're definitely going to want to take advantage of that, get everyone healthy, ready to go, especially since they've had injuries to some of their key guys. Like Lamar Jackson, you know, was supposedly dealing with a quad injury, although he looked hindered not at all against the Jets last week. But you had Mark Andrews been dealing with, you know, foot and ankle issues. Marquise Brown has been dealing with ankle issues. So for them to be able to win this game and to be able to rest their starters next week would be a big thing for them. And plus it's divisional opponents, the Cleveland Browns, it's a rivalry. So I totally expect them to come out, play hard, play well, Cleveland Browns look like they're just spiraling out of control after they got dominated by the Arizona Cardinals last week. Freddie Kitchens has to go. I mean, he, he, he has to go. But that's for another time. That's for an offseason podcast episode that we'll get into. As far as fantasy implications go, obviously, you know, on the Ravens side of the ball, it's, you know, you, you play your guys. Lamar. Andrews, Ingram. The the question, I think, becomes do you play Marquise Brown or not? And I think he is somebody in this situation because even though the Browns have talented corners, because they haven't actually been playing well as a unit as of late – I do think Marquise Brown has a chance to hit a home run in this game to be a big play guy to get into the end zone and he's been kind of targeted not as the big play guy but as a guy who is a red zone threat for them doing some quick things developing as a receiver developing his receiver tree so I do think Marquise Brown is somebody you can play this week does he have a low floor yeah he's a boomer bust option that's what he is but we do have him as a wide receiver three this week we do have him as somebody who could be a home run threat for you if you feel like you're in a situation against your opponent that you need to take a chance somewhere and as somebody who are confident that you can take a Chance in and be able to see a decent result. So we would play Marquise Brown. But yeah, I'm not playing Cleveland Brown. I'm not. Everyone's floor is too low. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So I'm not playing them. Now, next up, we have the Saints, the Tennessee Titans. This game was a little hard for me um for a couple of different reasons. Now, as you can see here on the rankings behind me, if you're watching on Sportscaster, we have Ryan Tannehill ranked as number seven quarterback on the week. That has more to do with the fact that this is a guy who has not scored less than 16 fantasy points in any start that he's had. So he's, he's, no matter what the matchup is, he's had a high floor, even when he hasn't necessarily produced, you know, high gaudy passing numbers between his rushing ability, between the fact that he's throwing for multiple touchdowns in almost every single game, he's been able to find ways to have at least a floor, if not a ceiling. I don't love it here. Look, the Saints defense is a tricky one to figure out. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. They didn't show up against San Fran, they did show up against the Colts last week. Now of course it's a much easier matchup, but I don't think the Tennessee offense, while they're a different type of offense, isn't so different from the Colts type of offense as far as what their firepower is. Now the Colts were dealing with T.Y. Hilton who was limited in that game and they didn't have their number one wide receiver, but it's kind of a similar mold where you're leaning on the running game and then you have one receiver that you really depend on And then you see if your quarterback can make some other plays outside of that who can run a little bit, who can do a little bit of everything. It's very similar in that sense. Now, Tennessee's playing much better offense right now. That's that's without a question. I'm not trying to say that they're playing the same amount right now. Tennessee's playing much better football in in general at the moment. Ryan Tannehill is playing much better from a fantasy perspective than Jacoby Brissett is. And this game is on the road for the Saints. It's in Tennessee. So that also plays well for the Titans too. But I just, I have a little bit, call it a gut instinct that Ryan Tannehill doesn't have the ceiling that he's had over the past month, which is a big reason he's gotten you to this point in the championship week either. So I think that's something we had to kind of consider. That's why I was kind of looking at it. If, if you feel that same way, if you feel like you have a guy that you can get to, has a higher upside, maybe go that route. But as you see there, we have him and Gardner Minshew neck and neck. I would probably play Tannehill over, we have Gardner Minshew ranked actually one spot ahead, but if you're sitting in a situation where you don't need to take the home run chance, I would play Ryan Tannehill for his floor. Now for Gardner Minshew though, if you, like I said, if you are in a situation where you feel like you do need to go for upside, I do think Minshew has more upside. I do think he's in a possible, he's in more of a situation where he could be in more of a shootout, more of a game where he has a better matchup. So just kind of give you like a little FYI there, but, uh, you have to play Tannehill. He's been on fire. He's been great. He's had a high floor. We have him inside the top 10 as a result, but I'm just, I'm a little worried about his ceiling this week. If you're looking for a big game out of him, this just depends on what you're looking for. Derrick Henry, I know it's a tough matchup. You got to play him. He came back to practice yesterday. He's going to be good to go. I expect him to get his full workload. I expect him to look back to more like he was two weeks ago before he had the hamstring injury if he's already practicing and got through last week without having any setbacks. So I'm not worried about anything there. You're playing Derrick Henry. He's gotten you to this point. Uh A.J. Brown, he's another one kind of with Ryan Tannehill who I had very much mixed feelings about because on one hand, you have a guy who, again, who's been on fire, who has clearly become the number one wide receiver, who is a guy that is making big plays and has and just looks like he's a superstar in the making. And we even have him ranked as the number 14 wide receiver on the week, so we definitely have him as somebody you can go ahead and play this week. And the Saints, once again, it's the Saints' defense. It's a defense that has shown up sometimes and other times has not, and that's the key. If the St. Stephens doesn't show up on the road, then all of a sudden Tannehill and A.J. Brown, and everything that I'm concerned about goes right out the window and these guys can go off like they have been for the last past few weeks. But you have to think. Lattimore will see A.J. Brown most of the time. I still believe Lattimore is a top-end corner. I still believe that's not a plus matchup for the wide receiver. The difference in this scenario, though, and why I think A.J. Brown has more of a higher floor is two things, really. One, his target share has been much higher as of late. It's not just been what production can you get off of home runs, what can you hit off of four or five targets. He's Like last week, he had 13 targets. That's been increasing going up Corey Davis might not play in this one there might not be some other weapons so he might be forced in getting to more of a target share the second thing is that he's also somebody who gets moved around quite a bit he lines up in the left he lines up in the right they line him up in the slot they kind of move him all around as a result I don't expect him to see Marshawn Lattimore the entire game so that could be the plus thing for that and it's at home in Tennessee like I said we still have him as a wide receiver too clearly and we still have somebody you have to play but I'm—he was, he was another guy who I just had this weird gut in, instinct that I'm not so confident about his floor this particular week, uh, just because you don't know what Saint's defense is going to show up. But being that it's in Tennessee, I do have some confidence in it, and obviously I do have him ranked as somebody you want to play uh, this particular week. On the Saints side of the ball, it's really kind of straightforward. Michael Thomas—I know Alvin Kamara hasn't been great, but you still have to keep playing Alvin Kamara, and then it's questionable whether you want to play Drew Brees or not. Uh, frankly, because right right now, we probably, with Drew Brees on the road, being more conservative than normal, he is somebody we have him, we do have him inside the top 10, we have him right below Ryan Taylor, at number 8, you can play him, he had a great week last week, but again, it's another situation where I don't know how great his ceiling is going to be, and whenever it's the Saints on the road, you never expect as much out of Drew Brees, so I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this situation as part of the reason why. It's also playing against a Tennessee defense that is pretty good and getting healthier this particular week as well. They expect to have the Dory Jackson back. This is not the same Tennessee secondary has been able to be taken advantage of so lightly as of late. Just the way the play calling has gone, the way they played on the road, he does have a lower floor, a lower ceiling than he normally would. But because so few quarterbacks have really played well as of late, we still have him number eight. We Because Tennessee has been a secondary that has been able to take advantage of over the past month, he still has a floor there and he still has Michael Thomas, which can always just kind of carry him to a decent fantasy day. And if they finally go back to getting Alvin Kamara more involved in the passing game, which for the life of me, I don't understand why it's been such a hard thing over the past month, then he'll definitely have a high floor. So he's still somebody who's in the top 10, but I do think there's other options that may have more upside than Drew Brees this particular week. All right, rolling along here, we got the Carolina Panthers. We got the Indianapolis Colts, and this is a perfect example of a game that you need there to be some fantasy implications in order to watch. Now, first off, Will Greer is going to be the starter for the Carolina Panthers. That's, That's the number one thing we have to take out of this. So what does that mean? It pretty much means to me that you have to play Christian McCaffrey. You still have to play DJ Moore. We still have DJ Moore ranked as a high end wide receiver too. He's just a guy who's been he's been too good as of late. And I know this has been with Kyle Allen. I know when you get a quarterback change like this, it sometimes can murky the waters. We have him as number 13 on the week in half point PPR leagues. He's just been he's just been too good. Period. Plain and simple. Too good. And with Will Greer coming in as a rookie quarterback who's going to play in two games, here's the thing that you're running into. He's going to be his number one target. Now, will Will Greer be as good as Kyle Allen? That's the question mark. Nobody knows, right? I will say, in some ways, I don't see how he can be much worse. It's not like Kyle Allen possessed a superb uh, talent trait over a guy like Will Greer. So uh, that that's the issue, that's the issue. So it's not like I have to worry about that in that standpoint. But the problem is that this is he's a rookie. This is his first start. Will he be able to read the defenses and all that? Just comes down to like, look, he's going to look for his number one target. You have to play DJ Moore. This is a game in which you know the offense is just going to go in very focal directions. Chris McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Outside of that, can't play Curtis Samuel. We have Curtis Samuel. I think we I believe we have Curtis Samuel down in the 40s this week. And uh you, yep, there we go. We have him as number 46 on the week. Look, if he doesn't score, he ain't going to be fantasy relevant. We've been talking about that all season long, but even in this game even more so. I don't expect him to see a high target share. So, yeah, Curtis Samuel is somebody you cannot play this week, not in DFS, not in your championship weeks. And Greg Olsen, even if he comes back, we have him as a top 10 tight end. Just because that's how putrid the tight end situation is. But he's not somebody who I would play with confidence even if he is able to make a return this week. Which is the expectation uh, as of now for all of you guys out there wondering about that. But that's that's what I'm looking at. I'm playing DJ Moore. I'm playing Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if I have the confidence to take a chance on anybody else in the Carolina Panthers. On the cold side of the ball... T.Y. Hilton is expected to have a larger snap share this week than he did last week. Uh, He came back out of that game, didn't have a setback. That was the good news. Has looked better and better in practice, according to reports. So we do expect T.Y. Hilton to have a bigger share. Now, we still do not have T.Y. Hilton ranked very high. We have him number 35, so we have him just inside the wide receiver three territory. That's because we're still not in a situation where we're confident he's going to play 100% of the snaps. He's still trying to get back from a calf injury which does hurt your explosiveness not only getting down the field but also your explosiveness in and out of routes. And the Colts just haven't played that well as of late. Jacoby Brissett hasn't played that well as of late. So while we have him somebody in the territory that you are looking at a flex, because he's T.Y. Hilton, because he has the ability to do so, because if he plays 80% of the snaps on his ability and what he can do and being that number one receiver on that team, and being that it is another plus matchup here against Carolina Panthers who have been terrible on defense in every facet of it, yeah, he's somebody who you can play as a flex and take a chance on, but he definitely comes with a very low floor and a lower floor than some of our other boomer bust options that we do have at the wide receiver position this particular week. So I just want to kind of make sure you guys keep that in mind. As far as everybody else goes, Marlon Mack, obviously, Marlon Mack's got the greatest matchup in the world here. Uh, Definitely has uh, RB1-type potential against Carolina Panthers, especially with the way they have played as of late, as I try to pull it up here. Uh, He's somewhere in this mix. But yeah, there we go. Number 10. So we have him right there at the RB1 situation. He could wind up being the number one running back on the week, very frankly. He's somebody who I would definitely pay for in DFS tournament leagues. I mean everyone's been able to do whatever they want on the ground against Carolina Panthers as of late. And I expect that to continue here with the Colts who do have a very good offensive line, even though the rest of the offense has been a little bit shaky as of best uh, here. Rolling along and we are picking up the pace with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins. So yes, Devontae Parker was listed as unlimited participant in practice with the hip issue yesterday. There's no concern about his availability for Sunday. So that's the first thing. That's the good news right there. We're we not worried about that in any kind of way. He will play. He's a must start. He is a high-end wide receiver 2 with wide receiver 1 potential in any given week. And I'm actually trying to look here. I may have ranked him inside the top 10. I did. I have him number 8 overall at the halfway PPR leagues for this week. The guy's been unreal. He had two touchdowns last week. He's just getting targeted like crazy. Ryan Fitzpatrick's just throwing the ball up to him. He's coming down with it. He's making plays. And you have another plus matchup here against Cincinnati Bengals. So, he's a safe play. I know with this, a lot of people want to talk about, is Ryan Fitzpatrick a streaming option? To me, he's only a streaming option in deep leagues. If you're talking about a 14-team league, you're talking about a 16-team league, and you've been streaming quarterbacks, and you're in this position, then sure. And I have him as number 11 uh, overall for the week. Uh, which means I have him in the streaming territory, but yes, against Cincinnati Bengals is a good matchup here. He's going to throw a couple of picks, and outside of Devontae Parker, because he just doesn't have that secondary option, it doesn't give him the floor that you really want to see necessarily. And because the Bengals aren't a terrible defense on the perimeter, it makes me a little uneasy about playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, it depends on what's available to you. You There may not be – if you have – if you're looking at a situation where you have Jared Goff or uh, – just kind of looking at the list here. If you have Jared Goff or Jacoby Brissett, and you're looking at a Ryan Fitzpatrick? Didn't yes. I'm going Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would go Ryan Fitzpatrick over Aaron Rodgers this week, who has a plus match just because of the way he's played as of late. I would go, I would go Ryan Fitzpatrick over Aaron Rodgers. So there's, there's guys out there who I would definitely go Ryan Fitzpatrick over. I would go Ryan Fitzpatrick over Kyler Murray, uh, this week. So I'm not as down on him as I'm trying to make it seem, but I'm just a little bit worried about his floor. So, it, it all depends on what your options are, but if you have you know, a Minshew option, I would rather go with a Minshew. If you have you know, th- those type of guys there, if you have a Garoppolo option, I would maybe rather go with Garoppolo. Uh just, just some thought. If you have a Philip Rivers option, I'd rather go with Philip Rivers. I think that's the big one for me there, too. So just to kind of give you some names there. But Ryan Patrick is somebody who is in the streaming territory in this matchup this particular week. I don't care about the Miami Dolphins running back situation. I don't care that he's playing against Cincinnati. Patrick Lard is not somebody who I'm going to be firing up in my flex at all. On the Bengals side of the ball, Joe Mixon is a must-play. Must-play. The guy has been on fire. He's been seeing 25 carries on a pretty consistent basis now. And being involved in the passing game, they finally got Genevonio Bernard out of the rotation. And we have him as number 7 running back on the week Uh, in half-point PPR leagues. We expect him to have a great game against Miami Dolphins. Obviously, it's a great matchup. We expect him to be the main offense for the Bengals. As they will still not have AJ Green. Shocker there. And, you know, still working back John Ross. They don't have Auden Tate. So you're just looking at Tyler Boyd. You're looking at John Ross, possibly. Tyler Boyd is the only wide receiver who I would consider, and that would only be in full point PPR leagues. Just because this is a guy, he's been all over the place. He has Andy Dalton's back, so he had the better quarterback situation, but he's still a guy who didn't have a big week last week. And yes, it was against the Patriots, but it's just the production has been so inconsistent with this passing game that Tyler Boyd is the only one you can even trust, and even then, I want to do it in a PPR league I want to, because he's the guy who even a plus match against the Miami Dolphins is somebody who in these situations would still only wind up with six catches for 60 yards this season. And that's something that just kind of bugs me with that, but it is the Dolphins. They have to throw the ball at somebody. It should be Tyler Boyd. I think he's somebody you can fire up as a wide receiver three, who does have some upside and should have a safe floor for you. You should know what you're going to get out of him at the very least when it comes to Tyler Boyd. So we do like him enough there to play him as a flex play as a wide receiver three, depending on your uh, league formats. I wouldn't play anybody else. Andy Dalton's not really a streaming option for us this week. Could he? Could he put up decent numbers? Yeah. He could, cause the Dolphins and he could, you know, he could hit Joe Mixon a few times. He could hit Tyler Boyd a few times. He could be in a situation where, do I like him in, let's put it this way. Do I like him in DFS tournaments as a contrarian play? Yes, I do. I do think he's somebody who is that quarterback you could spend next to nothing on and wind up with 300 yards and a few touchdowns. But when we're talking about championships and we're talking about being confident in somebody, we have him as the number 24 quarterback on the week. And so we're showing that he's not somebody who has a particularly high floor for us this week, just because the weapons are so lacking, even against the Dolphins. Even against the Dolphins. But DFS tournament plays, you want a contrarian play. I do think that's somebody who I would look at, uh, to, to go after in that situation, just because, just because of the matchup, just because it is a possibility. But it's too wide, too wide of a range for championship leagues. All right, moving on. Our next game, ruling along, we got Pittsburgh Steelers. New York Jets. This is another game we don't have to spend a lot of time on. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to give it a go in practice. We have him ranked... I believe in the high end wide receiver three side if he can go because it's the Jets and because we figure if he does come back, he'll immediately go into that number one slot because it's not Mason Rudolph starting because it is Devlin Hodges starting again. Devlin Hodges will throw Juju smith to the ball if he's out on the field, but this is all contingent on him actually being active, something we probably will not know until tomorrow. So make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for those player news update notifications. So we'll leave that We'll leave that for tomorrow's podcast. We'll mention that tomorrow because that's when we'll know more information about whether or not we think he's actually going to play. Let's say if he doesn't play. James Washington had a decent game last week. So Deontay Johnson. I'm not playing either one. We're, talk, we're talking about championship week here, people. So first of all, if you're in championship, I have a hard time imagining you got there with either Washington and Deontay Johnson on your roster to begin with. But in case that you pick them up or they're available on the waiver wire, or whatever the case may be, I'm not going to play these guys. They don't have a high enough ceiling. There's plenty of guys who have a much better floor, who have been much more consistent over the season, who have a much better much better confidence about going into this matchup. So there's somebody who's irrelevant to me. Juju Smith-Schuster is the only guy who, if I'm in a championship and I had Schuster, I would consider playing. But even then, it would be a bit of a question mark. Even then, that's why I have him as a wide receiver three. I don't have him as a must-play. Because you have. if you got to the championship with Juju Smith-Schuster on your, on your roster, you got there without him. And whatever option you use to get there without him may still be better, even if he is active in this game. But there is reasons for some optimism. James Conner, you gotta play him. I know the Jets haven't been a, actually haven't been a great matchup for running backs, but what showed me last week is that in his first week back, while he didn't play a, a, you know, a ton of snaps, he still had the majority of the work. Now, yes, the majority of the work was him getting eight carries and everybody else getting two. But he still got the majority of the work. There wasn't as much of a split as everyone was trying to make it out to be for him and Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels and all, all, all that. And I expect him to play even more so this week. And it's still a bad team. This is still a Steelers offense that's going to have to lean on the running game. So and he's also somebody at this point. I'm not as worried about having, you know, a risk for re injury with that shoulder injury. He was off for a long time. He got through last week unscathed. James is somebody I think you have to play this week. And I'll pull it up here. I believe we have him listed in the RB2 range. Uh, in this particular, we do. We have number 17 on the week for half-point PPR leagues. So he is somebody that we are confident in being in your starting lineups. As far as the jet side of the ball, play no one if you can. So and what I mean by that is that I know it's hard to bench Le'Veon Bell, especially in, in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, just because it's kind of the same similar situation with Leonard Fournette where it doesn't, it never seems pretty, but he's getting all the volume. And that's something you can't really be ignored when you're talking about starting running backs in the NFL. But he hasn't scored in a long time. He hasn't gotten over 100 yards rushing. And while he did perform better against the Baltimore Ravens than I expected him to by rushing for 87 yards, and he got the volume in this one, and even though this is going to be a quote unquote revenge game for Le'Veon Bell, I did it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. You haven't been able to run on them. The Jets offensive line is still terrible. He can have all the motivation in the world. He wants to play well against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He may run hard and it may still only count for 60 yards. And he hasn't been, the biggest key is he hasn't been involved in the passing game over the past month as he was early on in the season. The big thing about him early on in the season was that you didn't care if it was ugly because this was a guy who was getting like 10 receptions in a game. He was getting double-digit targets. That has not been the case as of late, and as long as that continues, and they don't have him involved at the clip that they did earlier on in the season, you're talking about a guy who's a really low floor. I guess a really tough matchup. So Le'Veon Bell's not a must-play. Now, I do believe him. we have him in the RB2 territory. We have him at 21, which puts him at the low-end RB2, high-end RB3 territory. So if you're looking for a flex, he's still available there. He's still somebody that you can't... He's not somebody we have listed as a must-not play, but... I don't think I would have the confidence in playing him this week if I have better options, and that may be the key. That may be the key. You may not have a better option. And for those of you who have Le'Veon Bell and you made it to the championship weeks, my hat's off to you because that probably wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. But that's kind of what you're looking at there. And he's the only Jet who I would even contemplate playing. I'm not playing James Crowder or Robbie Anderson against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense with the way Sam Darnold has been playing as of late with the amount of pressure that I expect him to see. No way. They have too low of a floor. If you had to pick one, it was still my pick would still be Jameson Crowder because the target share hasn't gone anywhere. He's still gotten his targets every single week, but I'm not playing him in this matchup in my championship leagues. Not with the way the Jets have not been able to protect the quarterback. I expect it to be very similar to what we saw against the Ravens in that light because Steelers defense is pretty much on that level right now, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Now, yes, yes, I know, I know what you're saying, but Dan Crowder scored two touchdowns against the Ravens. I know. And mostly in garbage time, mostly when that game was well in hand. The difference will be is that this game will be more competitive throughout because the Steelers don't have the offense to blow the Jets out of the water you know, in the first quarter and a half the way the Ravens did. And that had more to do with that than anything else. So if this game is going to be competitive all throughout... kind of like what we saw last week with buffalo and 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 the Steelers. there was a 17 to 10 game that's kind of what i expect in this game except for i don't know if the jets even can score 10 points so that's going to kind of be the difference there all right our last game that we're going to talk about in this episode is the giants game and the redskins game a lot of fantasy implications for a game that has two crappy teams in it So, first of all, Daniel Jones came back with the starters in practice, does expect to be back and playing this week. That's number one. So, what do we base off of that? Is Daniel Jones somebody you stream? No. Because even in plus matchups, outside of the Tampa Bay matchup early on in the season, this has still been a guy who hasn't really been able to have great fantasy days even in matchups where he should have. Is he somebody in the Andy Dalton mold where if you're looking for a contrarian DFS play that we're okay with? Yeah, Yeah, because the potential is there. Obviously, he has the weapons, you have the matchup. The potential is there that if you want to take a contrarian play, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to do. But remember, one of the best attributes of Daniel Jones' game is his mobility. And unless we were just flat out lied to about this being a high ankle sprain when it first happens, I have a hard time believing that he's going to be that mobile being back this soon unless everybody on the Giants just, re- just recovers from high ankle sprains in 2 weeks when it takes everybody else 4, I don't know, but it, that's why I would be a little bit that's why I don't have them in the streaming territory for championship leagues. But what does this mean for everybody else involved? Well, let's tackle it from the wide receiver standpoint. So we still have no Evan Ingram. So that means Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton are on positions to get targets. Darius Slayton is still my favorite wide receiver. I know last week was a Sterling Shepard week. That was also with Eli I know the week before that, Darius Slayton had a good game with Eli, but that was also with Eli, and Slayton still had a touchdown. Darius Slayton had become, hands down, Daniel Jones' number one wide receiver before he got injured. I I don't see why that wouldn't continue. So if he's back, and because he does have a tendency to let it fly a little bit more than Eli Manning does in this matchup, we do love us some Darius Slay. And in fact, I believe we have him ranked as a number two wide receiver, or as a wide receiver two, not number two wide receiver, wide receiver two. And we do. We have him number 21 in half point PPR leagues this week. This is a classic example of a guy that you want in your championship week. He has a high floor because of the volume that he's been seeing as of late because of the role that he's developed into, but he also has a high ceiling because he has that big play capability. We like Darius Slayton a lot this week. Sterling Shepard is somebody in PPR leagues. We still have him as a wide receiver three. It's still a plus matchup here. The one guy I'm staying away from is Golden Tate. Last two games in a row, he's had one catch apiece. Now, yes, last week that wound up being a 51-yard touchdown. So if you played him in fantasy, it still wound up giving you a decent fantasy day. But the target share hasn't been there. He only had one catch the last two weeks. And on top of that, it wasn't just because he was playing with Eli Manning. That is the way he had been trending with Daniel Jones before he got injured as well. Golden Tate is not the wide receiver we're going to play in this week. And really, if I can help it, I'm only going to play one, and that would be Darius Slayton. Saquon's a Mars play. Saquon's an RB1. He finally got back to putting up Saquon-like numbers last week. We expect him to be able to do the same thing as Washington Redskins this week. Hands down, play guy. On the other side of the ball, Terry McLaurin is somebody I am willing to play. He had a great game against the Eagles last week. Now, I know there's been some concern because Steven Sims had 11 targets, and Terry McLaurin still only had five targets. So his target share hadn't, didn't really actually go up. But Dwayne Haskins has gotten better. Each and every week. This is another plus matchup. They're getting more on the same page. Terry McLaurin is getting opportunities to actually make plays. And he's been able to take advantage of those. Against the Giants this week, I first of all, I expect the target share to flip. Where I don't expect to be Steven Sims getting 11 targets and Terry McLaurin getting 5. I expect Terry McLaurin to lead the way in targets this week. It's a great matchup for him. Remember, there's no Janoris Jenkins left for the Giants. There's nobody in that secondary on that, on that primary receiver. Nobody. We are confident in playing Terry McLaurin this week. He has kind of similar mold as Darius Slayton. He's another guy that we think, he, because of the matchup, he has a safe floor. And because of his ability, he has a high ceiling. Exactly what you're looking for. And we have him number 12 wide receiver on the week. He's a must play. He's a borderline wide receiver one for us. And we're doing that with confidence. Even with Dwayne Haskins, who has played much better and hasn't really seemed to get credit for the fact that he has played much better each and every week that he started. Outside of that, Adrian Peterson's another guy. We have him as an RB3 this week. He's going to see 20 carries. It's a plus matchup against the New York Giants. He's a guy who actually has been, believe it or not, pretty consistent when given the carries. We have him as the number 15 running back on the week. Is he going to be involved in the passing game? No, but he doesn't need to be. As long as he gets 20 carries and keeps doing what he has been doing in a plus matchup, he's a guy who could very easily get 80 yards and a touchdown this week. Quite easily. So we like Adrian Peterson quite a bit. The only guy we're going to kind of stay away from is Chris Thompson. Uh, he looked like he had been trending in the right direction as far as becoming back to that flex PPR running back again. But then all of a sudden his target share fell off again and we kind of just fell in a situation where it's too unpredictable in a, an important championship week this week. So we're going to move on from him. That's the last game that we're previewing in today's episode. Remember, we're going to be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. again previewing the rest of the games, the, the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night, the Monday night game. But before we call it a day, We have the mailbag segment here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now, if you're on Sportscaster, again, leave your fantasy football question in the chat and we will answer it as part of the mailbag segment as part of the episode it's my way of shouting out the people who listen to md nation and being able to help you on the fly right here right now while you're watching sportscaster for those of you on the audio version i don't worry i pre-selected a few questions from you guys who hit me up on social media at twitter at mdsff show on facebook at mdff show or even if you took the time to email me which i always appreciate the direct email from the website mdffshow.com you can always contact us and send us a direct email that way if you want a question Answered that way as well. But let's go ahead and get into the questions that we pre selected first. And we have J Rod from Twitter asked me, I need to start two Mark Andrews, AJ Brown, Brashad Perryman, or Kenny Galladay. Now, he, again, when you ask me these questions, please tell me what scoring formats you have. It makes me a little easier for me to do my job to help you. But we'll assume from a half point PPR standpoint. So This is a little bit interesting because he has a tight end here in the mix. I'm assuming he's talking about the flex position. And A.J. Brown, Brashad Perryman, to me, are the must plays, though. I like Mark Andrews. I think against Cleveland, he has a good opportunity to score touchdowns. He's been a touchdown machine for the Ravens so far, and I do think they're going to light up the scoreboard against the Browns the way they have really pretty much against everybody that they've played except for the San Francisco 49ers. So it is a little bit tempting because I think Mark Andrews has a high touchdown probability in this one. It definitely won't be Kenny Galladay, though, because of Chris Harris. And if Mark Andrews doesn't score, then you're looking at a guy who's looking at maybe four to six catches for 40 to 60 yards. With A.J. Brown and Brashad Perriman being the number one wide receivers on their team, being in situations where they are the big play guys at that, you just have two guys that are primed for the opportunity to have much bigger weeks to have those 100 yards, touchdown, or two type of games. And while we talk about A.J. Brown, we don't necessarily love him going up against Marshawn Lattimore, given the situation given in Tennessee. We're not too worried about it. We think he has a good floor. We think he still has a chance to have a big game. And Rashad Perryman against Houston, with the targets that he might be seeing, should be through the roof. So to me, out of those four, those would have to be the two there, J-Rodd. Next up, we got Steve from Facebook. He asked me, Brashad Perryman or Terry McLaurin? Now, this is a good one because you kind of have guys in similar situations where you tr- maybe you trust Damers Winston more, and you trust the Wayne Haskins, and that could kind of make things a little bit interesting when you are talking about this question. But we do have Terry McLaurin ranked a lot higher. Terry McLaurin is a one a much better wide receiver, has just as good of a matchup, if not maybe even better than of a matchup than Prashad Perryman against the Houston Texans. And because he finally got the monkey off his back and had a big week against the Philadelphia Eagles next, last week, and because Wayne Haskins has been playing better as of late, we have to go with Terry McLaurin. We have to go with the the, the better talent here in this situation. There is some, sometimes we in fantasy football, you just got to go with the better talent, and that would be Terry McLaurin. But I think both guys are kind of similar in what they present. They present, you know, guys who are going to get targets. They present guys who are going to have a floor because of their matchups. They present guys that are going to have possibility of a high ceiling as well. But we would lean towards McLaurin in this situation. Last question that we have picked out from social media was from Sosa from Twitter asks Melvin Gordon, Adrian Peterson, Devin Singletary, half point PPR. Melvin Gordon. Now, there's some great options uh, with Devin Singletary and and Adrian Peterson, for sure. sure. And we talked about how we do like them this week. But it's Melvin Gordon. And I know the reason... This is why I talked about Melvin Gordon so much when we talked about the preview earlier in this show... I know Melvin Gordon people are worried about because of the football issues. Is he suddenly going to be put in the doghouse? Is Austin Eckler suddenly going to split the carries with him? I don't believe that's going to be the case. I fully believe that this is a guy looking at 18-20 carries this week against the Oakland Raiders, which is a great situation for him to be in And because we've seen it before. And he has the better talent. He is a guy who still gets involved in the passing game, even with Austin Eckler there. He was involved in the passing game last week. That was one of the reasons he was able to salvage some of his fantasy day. So, yes. Melvin Gordon, hands down, don't overthink it. Don't worry about the fumbling issues. He's still going to be the starter. He's still going to see the bulk of the work. That's going to wrap up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back again at 10 a.m. tomorrow on Sportscaster Live. But, of course, on the audio version, you can always check us out on your favorite podcast app, Apple Play. Our Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, Pinecast, wherever you want to go for the MD's Spanish Football Show is widely available to you. The biggest thing that you can do as MD Nation is help us out is wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave a five-star review and a comment that helps up the show in ways that I don't think you guys understand, that it really helps us expand, it really helps us get funding, it really helps us be able to make this show as good as it possibly can be for you guys. So make sure you go ahead and doing that for us. Make sure you're contacting me. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MD sff show on facebook at mdff show or make sure you're checking out the website for the rankings www.mdffshow.com we got a lot of stuff coming up it's a championship week make sure you're in contact with me i will be out there being very accessible to you guys helping you guys out throughout the week and we'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m everyone have a lovely day
0: Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?